Um, so my prepared ideas tonight are, well, first of all, I need my taskbar to show up. Come on, you can do it. Okay, um, Duchesne has scored in buckets. Um, Eric Johnson's injury, the Bodner Chuck claim, the Gormley waiver. Um, and just my idea coming in, I don't know what yours is, but my idea coming in is that it, a week of four real tough games, Colorado won three of them, you know? Right. Be really easy to get salty about the most recent game, but I don't plan to. Right. I can eat a little crow after my prediction last week of only four points, right? Yeah. I can finally own up to that. I'll happily take the six. Yeah. And lose the road game, right? Against yeah. a team probably not catching in the standings, so one of the important ones. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Right now, what I'm going with is what the hell's going on with my Microsoft Word? Because it was, like, stretched out taller than my monitor for some great reason, I'm sure. Felt bad, man. Can't find the, uh, the max to window size thing. I've got three windows open right now. Okay. So I'm hitting the button, and let's do the thing. This week's episode is brought to you by both a long-term and a really short memory. Keeping an eye to the big picture while refusing to get hung up on a real rough moment, that's us. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, Bulls Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for January 11th, 2015. Coming up on the show, Iggy gets the big one, Eric Johnson's injury, surprising waiver moves, but before we play the whoosh, I need to introduce the disembodied voice of the week. Say hello to Ryan Murphy once again, everybody. Ryan Murphy. Howdy. And now, say hello to a four-game rundown. By the way, that was really loud in my ears. Is that really loud in your ears? Not too bad. Okay. Seems pretty even to me. Okay, I'll just have to bump you up, I guess, then. Uh, it's been a real busy week of Avalanche hockey, but a real good one overall. Uh, the game we just watched notwithstanding, we're recording this immediately following the Blackhawks, whatever that was. Um, with a f We started on Monday with a solid 4-1 victory over the Los Angeles Kings. Four of the five goals scored in this one were scored on the power play, including one each from Tyson Berry, Matt Duchesne, and Jerome McGinley. Number 600, just a hilarious carom off Jake Muzzin and into the net. Because, I mean, by the time he's talking to his grandkids about it, it'll be at top shelf, I'm sure, right? <laughs> uh, it will. Tyson Berry added a second one in even strength as well. Not so great in this one was Eric Johnson leaving the game with an injury. Um, he's been out since. It's a lower body injury, I believe. Did we ever get any more information than that? One to two weeks, lower body injury. Big as possible. Well, that's the National Hockey League for you. Then, um, I guess it was on Tuesday that the waiver moves happened? Does that sound yeah, right? I think that was immediately afterwards. Well, let's just get right to that then. Um, Colorado waived Brandon Gormley. Uh, which happened about a week after Waugh spent all his radio time basically just pumping tires on the guy. So that made me wonder, you know, was Wa trying to, you know, hype him up for some trade talk that might have been happening, or maybe was that just, like, what changed? That's kind of where my thought process on that was. A lot of... It's a confounding move. Um, I think most of us are very concerned about that. The... Uh, the fan waiver, of course, is Nate Gannon. I don't think there's any question there. <laughs> um, well, can't waive his salary, and money talks in the NHL still, right? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's the money factor to it. That's for sure. Hopefully, uh, 
the right moves will be made later on when they when they count, I guess. Um, but the key part here is I don't even know how necessary that was because it leaves 22 healthy on the roster. Um, but at any rate, we then claim... Uh, you know, I just realized I have, don't actually know what Bondarchuk's first name is. It starts with an A. Andrew. Andrew. Is that what it is? Okay. I just know him as A-Bod. Uh-huh. So Bondarchuk uh, from waivers from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He had some 21-ish games of NHL experience. Um, he's kind of a Nick Holden kind of guy, I guess, is what we're looking at. Maybe a little bit less offense. What would you? What have you seen from him so far? You know, uh, an undersized guy that hits pretty well. Um, you know, first couple of games, he I didn't notice him, which is actually a compliment, um, considering our defense. And you know, he made a couple of good passes, <coughs> a couple of them, but he didn't do anything to hurt the team, and that's pretty much all you can ask of a guy. Uh, tonight would be the exception to my previous observations. Um, Tonight was not a good effort from him. Not a good showing. Tonight, he kept getting pasted with the uh, the old Taves line. Right. Uh, having played on the road this particular game, Joe Quenville of the Chicago Blackhawks got to make the matchups, uh, and they were not favorable. Um, looking at minus 14, 5-on-5 five five tonight. Ouch. Which uh, led the team considerably. <laughs> what about uh, Francois Boschman, who he was paired with? Minus 11. So uh, a rough night from that pairing, but you know they're going up against Taves and Kane all night, and that's uh, not an easy task for anybody. Not at all. Um, but the next game up, we're, we're spoiling things a little bit, but not that anybody is surprised. Uh, on Wednesday, Colorado took a 4-3 win from the St. Louis Blues. With uh, Gabe Landeskog landing your game winner really late in overtime. Duchesne, Nathan McKinnon, and Mikhail Grigorenko scored your other three in this one. It was, uh, it was good to see the Avalanche win an overtime game. It is. They haven't won a lot of three-on-threes. Just uh, one before that, if I'm correct. They hadn't won an overtime yet. They had not before then? Nope. They hadn't, they'd only played like three of them. Yeah, I know they had lost three. Um, I'd have to go back and check, but... Uh, that was a really good three-on-three showing for once. And we saw him control the puck and uh, actually get off a good shot at the end. Landis got with the game winner. How about the pass to set him up, too? That was placed so well. Right. I and mean, John Mitchell just waited for the right time. I mean, he timed it perfectly. So I honestly have I'm having a hard time remembering that game. Probably because there's been so many of them. Right. Uh... uh I remember getting annoyed because Bacchus scored. That's about you know, it. That's a thing that happens, though, occasionally. You beat the St. Louis Blues, you, you got to take the bat with the good, right? Right. I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, it's a three-point game, but it's a big win in the division um, against a team that's going the wrong direction. St. Louis has been kind of struggling lately. Uh, there's been uh, not-so-flattering talk, we'll put it that way, from from fan base, um, and, you know, Cole Cole Hamilton of BSN now has his prediction that, you know, Hitchcock has a shelf, li- shelf life with every team he coaches, and Cole believes that that shelf life is coming up. Yeah, that team has high expectations, and they're not meeting them right now. I mean, they should be competing for this division title, you know, along with teams like Chicago, and right now they're falling back towards the avalanches, <laughs> realm of the division, towards the middle. So two games into the week, minus a top-pairing defenseman, but we're 4-4 four for four in the points category. On Friday, the Avs play what I think was one of their best all-around games of the season. It's a 5-3 win over the Nashville Predators, who they tie for the final wildcard spot in the West as a result. Believe it. I can't. But it happened. Colorado got goals from again, the Landeskog, Barry, Cody McLeod, and Jack Skilly, empty netter. And neither goalie was spectacular in this game. The save percentage is being 846 and 864. Oh, well. So three wins in three games against three tough opponents. You really can't argue that. How did you feel about the Nashville game? 
again, I, I can't disagree with you, actually. That was probably the most complete game I've seen out of that team. Uh, Nashville brought a good game. Colorado brought a better game. Uh, you know, guys finished. Saves were made when they needed to. Uh, it was not a clean game by goalies sending Varlam off, but you'll take that. I mean, that's just the, a game you have to win. Everybody <coughs> described it as a playoff atmosphere beforehand, and uh, they played like it. It was a similarly rough outing from Pekka Rene, um, who we generally expect much better from than that. And he's been subpar this year, too. He's had the same struggles Varlamov has, a little up and down. Yeah, his save percentage, I looked, um, or I, I didn't look, I saw it when the game started, was 907. And that guy's in the All Star game. <laughs> Go figure. Well, somebody had to be, as will be the team hosting the All Star game, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's where it makes sense. It's kind of the hometown thing. Yeah, let him sell some tickets. Yeah. It's, uh... So... After Varlamov's game there, I would have really liked to see uh, a Red Obera start tonight. Unfortunately, Red Obera's down an ankle. <laughs> so, uh, next man up is Calvin Pickard, right? Yeah, I'm not sure that I start Pickard against the Blackhawks, so it's hard to fault uh, starting Varley tonight. Well, I think he's got to be getting all the division starts. Absolutely. Number one guy the division starts. And yeah. this is going to be a tough game for him either way, but uh, you got to start Varlamov. Yeah. Yeah, if we're talking about goalie rotations, I would probably start Pickard on Tuesday, honestly. Um, but at this point, I don't know, since we had the half game off already. Right. You're heading back home. Got a couple days off playing the Lightning. I mean, uh, winnable games. You're not going to throw your young guy out to the wolves necessarily. Uh, but you know what? Pickard came in tonight and uh, played a period and a half of pretty good hockey. Yeah, he got his lunch eaten immediately by Jonathan Taves and then was good from there. Right. I mean, uh, as are winning goals like crazy anyway. Might as well be on him for one. Yeah, I really, I mean, that, it's it's hard to to get too frustrated with that one. That He just got lit up. Top shelf by Jonathan Tapes. It happens. It happens to everybody. But, uh, you know, I, I still think you got to keep riding Varlamov. He still looks like he's going pretty good. It doesn't look like he's tiring out. It doesn't look like he's injured. And I think as long as that's the situation, you keep playing him. Yeah, he hasn't let in any of those goals that you look at and you're just like, oh, come on, until he's already let in a few. Right. Um, Like the power play goal that Kane scored. The fourth one? Yeah. That, that one was a little bit of a groaner. The whole sequence, though, I, I hate the Avalanche's penalty kill on that. I mean, Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane, and he's the one person you should not give two feet of room, let alone ten feet. He had a clear view of the goal, and he hit his shot. I mean, hit his mark. And then Ryan Johansson, the same thing on Friday. It is the same uh, on thing. Friday. You can do that, just not with their best scorer. Yeah. You know, any team for that matter. That one, Varley caught a tiny piece up with his shoulder and it rolled up into the corner of the net anyway. Right. <clears throat> that one obviously looked like he was in position for. He just hit the exact spot he needed to. I don't think he, he thought a shot was coming, honestly. Yeah. I think I mean, he was reading he fast. The Kane one, he, he got hit short side. And, you know, that's pretty inexcusable. I mean, it wasn't blocked. You know, no one's... Uh, parked in front of him. He should see that shot. Yeah, it, it's a good shot, um, but it's not one that you expect to beat your top goalie regularly. Not regularly. So we'll give you one, Varley. One. And then, I mean, I, I wasn't too thrilled with Johansson's either because it was a near post. Yeah, right. I mean, I just think you got to skew your defense to those types of players. I mean, anybody scoring 30 goals in this league anymore is, you know, a very serious goal scorer. And Kane's already got 25. Right. There's the exception to nearly everybody right now. Just don't leave him alone. And his first goal, the same thing. I mean, he's just skating through four avalanche, you know, defenders and has 10 feet of space by the time he gets that shot off. Yeah. Just don't let that happen. It's ridiculous. Of course, I mean, his first goal went through a slot that was not much wider than the puck three times. So, right. I mean. I'm, you give that up. <laughs> yeah. Just don't. It's all about shot suppression, though. I mean, that guy's going to be taking these shots on that line. And if you don't want to allow shots on goal or shots at goal, 
you don't give Kane that kind of space. Exactly. Um, and every once in a while, you're going to see those kind of things squeak in, and that's why we like to see the smaller number of shots. Um, but speaking of scoring a lot of goals, we've got um, NHL's.com's website hasn't fully updated yet, but uh, that Patrick Kane's 25th would tie him with Jamie Benn for the league lead at 25, but our own Matt Duchesne is not far off the pace with 21 of his own. Mm-hmm. This week he's had one, two, three, four. Four goals in four games. Four goals in four games. That's a 21. That's a, it's a decent hot streak. Yeah, I mean, he's on pace to break his season total by a considerable amount. What is it, 27, 28? Uh, well, his season, I... he had a really strong season the year they had the lockout. So it's a little bit tough to really. Uh, I'm gonna pull up hockey reference to tell you for sure. It's a little bit rough to estimate, uh, you know, his top goal scoring seasons because he was at a point per game pace that year. Right, 27 goals and 60 something games. Right, his uh, he had 27 goals and 67 points his second season. Then the lockout year in 47 games, he had 17 goals, so that was a much higher pace, obviously. Mm -hmm. But with his 21 tonight, or his 21st tonight, I should say, <laughs> this would be a very different show if Duchesne scored 21 goals in a game. Um, Basketball. He's uh, already tied with his 21 goals from last season. Right, I think he's found his uh, niche on that right side there. I mean, I vehemently argued early in the season that he should stick at center. McKinnon should be that guy. But I think Patrick Waugh has discovered what Matt Duchesne's position in the NHL is. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the change myself. Um, I would prefer that they had two top centers like they had. Um, but Duchesne's always been defensively not a good center. Um, he found his niche centering Ryan O'Reilly, and then we found Ryan O'Reilly kind of playing the defensive assignments when they were on the ice, basically. He took the the center position defensively, mm -hmm. even if he was playing the wing offensively. So, I mean, this, it's like it's the first time that we've seen Duchesne play a more of a wing type of, of position, and it's worked really well for him. I've always felt like McKinnon needed to be a center. Right. I mean, he's got a different body type. He's a lot stronger on the puck. Uh, he's a lot stronger on his back check, too. I've yeah. got no problem with, with him seeing time on the wing as he grew into the league and learning how to score in the league as opposed to scoring in junior, but it's center time. Yep. And he's making the most of it when he gets the line mates. Right. He doesn't always get the line mates. <laughs> no, occasionally gets stuck with uh, Ginla and Tangay. What'd you think about um, McKinnon, Duchesne, and Tangay? I mean, McKinnon, Duchesne, all day long. Uh, Tangay, I'm not sure where you stick him right now because you can't multiply the terrible hockey with a Ginla on the same line. you got to spread it out somewhere. And maybe he's mitigated the best on the top line right there. Maybe. Um, although he did have, uh, on uh, Duchesne's first or second goal? I think it was a second goal. When uh, McKinnon threw down two guys behind the net and still came out away with the puck, and then gave it to Tangay, who made a sick pass across the center to Duchesne, who just kind of waited for Crawford to no all the way across the net. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure other guys other than Tangay would see that pass, but there's no one that I would expect to see it every time, like Alex Tangay. Right. I mean, at this point in his career, is you know he always was too, but he's a great facilitator. I mean, he's. He's got eyes for everybody, and that's sometimes some of his downfall because he's not taking shots he needs to. But, you know, McKinnon and Duchesne are going to take enough shots, so maybe that's a good complimentary fit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would I would obviously, like I've been saying for months now, like to see Grigorenko on that left wing. Right. No um, screaming here. But I that's got to happen eventually. It's got to. Yeah. I mean, it only worked amazingly when they tried it. But, I mean, at the same time, 
we saw an excellent line with Landis Cog up there too, and then that just that worked for a while. And then teams figured out ways to shut it down and shut down the whole team like that. So, especially on the road, I mean, at home you can get away with things like that because you can deploy that line whenever you want to. On the road, you're just going to get the top pairing defense, and a lot of these teams have very good top pairing defenders. I did really like, or I I do really like Landis Cog with Soderberg. That's been a nice complimentary pair there. It has, and Blake Como fits in right, just fine too. When he plays well. Right. It's not going to be every game, but he's going to be a second or third line tweener on this team. And uh, I don't mind him getting a lot of second line minutes at wing right now. There's no one else to do it. Yeah. Tonight, I don't know what was up with him. Well, or most of the team in general. You know, uh, first period, they didn't have it. He, uh... He had several plays where he just kind of took the puck and skated in big circles for 10, 15 seconds. Right. I mean, I like the Blake Como that takes shots. I mean, uh, we saw that early in the year. He was taking five, six shots sometimes, and mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, that's the more effective Blake Como. He doesn't have to score on all of them, but uh, just getting those shots at the net get a lot of good rebound opportunities. Low shots. Low shots. But, you know... He's not going to get that every night, but tonight we got the, I'm going to go for a lap around my own zone, I now I'm going to do it again, and now I'm just going to throw it away. <laughs> every once in a while you get a Como offensive zone penalty, and that's when you know the game is over, and Colorado have lost. <laughs> I think they've maybe won once all season when that has happened. Well, thankfully I don't think you got that tonight, but they found other ways to lose. Yeah, so. they found plenty. <laughs> Uh, but thankfully, Duchesne showed up and salvaged at least some of the game from a spectator standpoint. It wasn't horrible to watch for a while. Well, have you uh, checked the 5-on-5 five five yet? I haven't even looked at it. Um, I'm yeah. actually short my laptop keyboard right now, so I'm like a little bit nerfed in what I actually do during the game. because like, I don't have enough screens anymore. Well, uh, I'd like you to guess then uh, who led the team in Corsi 4 plus minus. <laughs> Give me the top three, <laughs> at least what you saw in the first two periods. From the first two periods? Because the third is garbage time. Right. Um, I would assume that it was probably... I mean, I want to say it's the top line, but... <laughs> uh, tonight's game was uh, Bizarro Ab's game, apparently. But... At plus eight. In this game, plus eight. Mr. Nathan Gennon himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, next in line at plus four, Jerome McGinley. <laughs> and uh, tied with Mikhail Grigorenko there. So, uh, Gennon and Redmond, I'm, I haven't checked the deployments well yet, but it, that's unreal. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen that kind of game out of them. Well, I mean, they're a third line getting played like a fourth line, so they should be producing well. They and and this, this game could have been a lot closer than it was. Grigorenko got robbed multiple times. McKinnon got robbed a couple of times. There were a couple of plays that were close. just so close to being there. Especially in that first, second period. That, that second period run where, you know, they, Duchesne scores those two goals and they're on fire. Grigorenko had a good opportunity to tie that game up there. Crawford made a great save. Um, he made a couple of really good saves tonight. Yeah, that, that toe save was just like game salvager right there because then the avalanche take a silly penalty that probably not really a penalty and then immediately refuse to cover Patrick Kane. Yeah, and did you have the same observation I did on the Landeskog penalty? Uh and that it may not have been one in reality? Yeah, everyone had that same observation. I mean that's a stick lift, right? Yeah. Um and like, like yeah, I think we mentioned the guy falling down. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that was. Like like I think we mentioned earlier, uh, the uh, the Boschman and Bodnarchuk p- pairing was underwhelming tonight um, when when the team doesn't have its own decision over who they play against. Right. I mean, those guys were on the ice for the first three goals of the game <laughs> against them. That's just getting the bad matchup. You know, poor Boschman's having to carry that pairing uh, against top players, and that's not going to work. I'd, I'd like to see a different arrangement. 
Yeah, and I don't understand fully what the logic is there. I mean, I I know that Watt likes to keep guys together that work well together. That's why he played Duchesne with O'Reilly. That's why he's keeping Landis Cog with Soderberg, things like that. Um, I don't understand keeping Barry and Holden together to the de- to such a degree that you then have first pairing NHL defenseman Andrew Bodnarchuk, who's got now what twenty five NHL games ish. Right. Um, four with the Avalanche. Three yeah. With the Avalanche. Three. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Patrick Waugh's got this idea in his head that if he spreads out the talent, then <laughs> he's mitigating problems, and I, I don't agree with it. I, I think Nick Holden needs to play probably that right side of that top pairing, at least until Johnson gets back. Let Barry and Bonner and Chuck figure out the rest. Let Barry and Redmond figure out the rest. Yeah. Play that top line a lot of minutes. They already are. I mean, uh, it kind of turns into that later in the game. And I guess there's a lot of six on five later on, but all those guys are around 25 minutes a game tonight. Just get it over with, pairing, and deploy them against the good lines. It's just so frustrating. I don't understand the claim. I don't understand what he brings and Gormley doesn't. Right. I mean, we do have to talk about that too, because cutting Brandon Gormley is. Waving him rather is uh, one of the more surprising moves they've made this year. Surprising, the positive spin on that one. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, one you you gave up assets for him already. You didn't give up assets for a lot of these other guys. I mean, you sent a former second round pick to Arizona in exchange for him, so you're invested at least minimally. But I also don't think he's been bad enough to bench every game, let alone wave. There's a different defenseman whose name starts with G. <laughs> uh, Nathan Gannon, poor guy. Um, he tries so hard. Yeah, I mean, he still has continued his, you know, little streak of usually not terrible. So, I mean, I guess that's okay. But you're not relying on usually not terrible from Gormley. Right, and... You know, not to mention that there's about 10 years of age difference between the two, and one can still be developed. Uh, the other is, you know, the wrong side of his 30s and isn't getting better. In fact, maybe getting worse. Right. You know, at some point, Patrick Swallow's got to figure out exactly what to do with this defense. And unfortunately, the team and its recent success have kind of narrowed his options because they're winning. And if they were losing quite a bit, I think we'd see something else rolling out for defense. Maybe so. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if the UFA or RFA status affects uh, the salary that gets uh, that stays on your cap when you send a player to the AHL. Um, Gormley only makes 50K more than Gennon does. The only difference being he's RFA, Gennon's UFA. Right. So yeah, I have to check that rule too. But uh, you know, the other thing that's that's lame at the moment is Gormley still counts against your contracts, and their recent pickup, <laughs> Bottom Chuck, also counts against your contracts. The Avalanche are currently at their maximum of fifty, and they can't add players right now without subtracting. I just wonder if they expected Gormley to get claimed, right? Or if they had a trade lined up. Uh, maybe, because right now they haven't sent him down to San Antonio. Maybe that's important for people who haven't been following, but they're keeping him on the bench still. He can't play until they kind of put him back on the roster, but uh, they're not sending him down to the minors after he fell through the waiver claims. So, wait a minute. They waived him, and then now he's just not playing hockey? He is in hockey purgatory. What? Right. Uh, he was last seen taking shots at uh, Patrick Waugh warming up for the uh, Stadium Series event. <laughs> I'm s- I missed this. I'm so confused. Well, what are you doing? I think he could get sent down to San Antonio eventually uh, when Eric Johnson comes back. I just think he's in the emergency of the emergency position right now. Why do you claim a random from one of the worst teams in the league... 
that makes you have to waive a player that you're trying to develop and not even give him any time at all. Like I said, confounding. Um, what are you, you know, actually I... doing? Ah! Yeah, I, I did that little brain explosion sound the other day when I first heard about it. But it's uh, not a position I want the Avalanche to be in right now. I think you should be developing talent. And again, Gormley has not fallen on his face. I mean, he's at least performed at the level your bottom three defensemen have. He hasn't so, played any worse than Zach Redmond. Right. And he certainly hasn't played worse than Nate Gannon. As all of this like slowly sinks into my head, it's just filled with the sound of 756k modems i can't <laughs> i can't process this right now it's tough i mean maybe they expect something different out of him he's not a very physical player you know he's not gonna hit somebody on every shift but he makes good passes he doesn't make a lot of stupid decisions and he gets beat sometimes, but so do a lot of first-year defensemen. And he does not yet have 82 games under his belt. He's a first-year guy. You know who makes a lot of passes to, to nobody? Bodnarchuk. Right. I mean, new team. I understand. He's possibly expecting something different. Sure. But, I mean, yeah, I'll give you that. But, it's but we're just, in the middle of the season, <laughs> you know. And Growing pains are for the beginning. And they, they talk about how, well, when Johnson comes back, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. These are tough decisions that you gave yourself. Correct. By claiming a random off the waivers that you didn't need to fill at a big area of strength on this team, which is not very good defensemen. Right. And something else that should be mentioned is they don't have people in San Antonio they want to call up. And that is also management's fault. That you don't have one defenseman that you can call up you know, in the two-week pinch here. It does take some time to restock the cupboard. It was completely bare when this regime showed up, but you'd think that they would have one guy. Right. And the other problem is they've created this imbalance, too, where they have so many prospects playing defense down there that you don't have pros that you can send back and forth. And uh, it's just kind of... They have not appropriated their resources correctly down there. I mean, maybe Nate Gannon is that guy. Maybe. Um, and, you know, maybe Matt Clark was supposed to be when they picked him up last year. And, maybe, maybe. <laughs> until they found out what he was. Right. Who's a... Not... You know, but that's the type of guy that should have been a better defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, one team Matt and his mustache eyebrows are not as good as they may have thought. <laughs> How can he see, you know? Ugh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... It's, it's a tough position. I, I still think they've got to trade up their sleeve, and I'm not sure what that is yet. But I, it, it has to be multiple pieces for fewer pieces, or it makes no sense. Right, and it has to be NHL pieces, too. You're not giving up prospects for NHL players. Man, you know, it's not a trade that's possible now. No, because then all, all you end up doing is gutting the AHL for picks that will probably never pan out themselves, just right. to clear up roster space. For... And then you have to wave somebody on the NHL squad just to make room for the new guy. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure who they would deal. I'm not sure what kind of players would be on the table right now, but uh, they have limited their options. I think part of the, uh, of the roster crunch right now is because when the team picked up Chris Wagner, they did not expect Andreas Martinson to be as good as he's been. That's they, a great point. They expected Martinson to go back down to the, to the rampage and Wagner to play on the fourth line. Right. And uh, Martinson turning into a guy that could, you know, do a spell on the top nine, anywhere on the top nine so far. I mean, that's been a surprise. And not look good, but not look out of place bad either. No, I mean, I, I think he's a third liner eventually. I've said this many times, but uh, he's filled us a, a wing need. Yeah, I th I think he's a solid fourth. I don't I don't see third line in him. I think you need more scoring. Um, right. But that may I don't know that may come. It's still his first year in North America. Sometimes we forget how much he's learned, and how quickly he's learned it. Right. He had one of my favorite plays tonight. Actually, uh, he just manhandled somebody behind the net and made a great pass to. God, I want to say it was. 
Oh, uh, probably a Ginla, actually. You know, just point blank chance. I mean, he just did that all by himself. Just hip checked some guy out of the way, stole the puck, and <laughs> made a great pass. And play- he's got potential. Yeah, and, and playing with a Ginla and Grigoringo is not a bad idea. It isn't. Because they need the physical presence. The guy who can skate forward, mm-hmm. you know, power through on the boards, get the puck up. And then he makes good passes, and those are both guys that are trying to shoot, so. Right. I mean, he's not really a natural scorer. I think he's probably a better facilitator. I mean, he's got good vision, makes good passes. Yeah, he's he's decent in that area. He's not he, he's not going to be a Joe Thornton anytime soon, but he's he can make it work. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, Chris Wagner's tied your hands now too. I kind of forget that name because he hasn't played in so many weeks, but Well, because the team picked him up and we were like, "Oh, it looks like another cliche." And then it wasn't another cliche. And then our forwards got healthy. Right. And, uh, you know, I, everybody knock on wood as you're listening to this. The Avalanche have not dealt with a lot of injuries with their forwards this year. So, you know, I, they need the depth, but they haven't had to use it. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure how long it is before you can wave a guy after you've claimed him off waivers. Right. We need to go through these NHL bylaws. We'll do like a, <laughs> these little finicky things. Next podcast, we'll do a little uh, learning session for everybody. Because I almost imagine that when when they hit that line, Wagner might be back down. Right. But he might yeah, not. I mean, they might like him where he's at right now as that kind of 13th forward. Mm-hmm. You know, um spell some guy on the third or fourth line one night, you know, if they're getting tired and not skating very well and aren't very young. Uh, you're not thinking of anybody whose number is larger than 39, are you? <laughs> well, no, I'm not. Oh, then which one are you thinking of? Oh, wait, well, I mean, <laughs> a Ginla or Tangay or uh, I guess both, right? I was thinking specifically giant looping skating Tangay. Right. Yeah, we we talked about this last week. You can tell his skates aren't going when he refuses to hockey stop. When he does the big old choo-choo circles. And they continue to happen. His assist on Duchesne's goal was really nice. It's about the only positive thing he's done in several weeks. Because he was already standing there. Yeah, he was already standing there. He didn't have to skate there. And he's, it's taken him a while to get back into the flow of the game after his most recent injury. I don't know how severe that injury actually was. Maybe that's been a factor. I don't mean to be unnecessarily harsh on the dude. Yep. Um, I do like what his game used to be. But, and it's near the end of that. Yeah. Um, his tenure at the Avalanche, I, I do not believe, persists beyond this year. I would not have it persist beyond this year, and I'm kind of hoping that you're right. Right. Uh, of course, Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh may feel differently about that. I'm hoping not. I mean, because we all kind of were afraid that the Avs were going to sign Jan Hayda to a year. Right. Um, when they just didn't have the space for him. Right. Um, now, if they had lost a, a Gennon or a Holden or a, something like that, then sure, bringing Hayda back would have been fine. Yep. But. Jan Heda, I don't know if you noticed this week, actually. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, he's kind of a free agent again. Yeah, he signed a, a PTO in the AHL. Maybe he signed a deal in the, in the AHL. Don't remember which one it was, but he's recently abandoned that, if you've missed it, and is uh, real close to an NHL return, they say. Yeah. Did he catch on with anybody after that? Not that I've seen, but I've not been real present lately. I've been... Uh, do, occupied. Do you think he's following the avalanche at all? <laughs> uh, I really don't think we have the contracts for him. Right. Well, I know that now. I mean, unless you just go wave Bodnerchuk again. And hope someone picks him up. Right? I don't know. Uh, good job, Abs. You now have... yourself a lot of flexibility. Yeah, you have no contract flexibility. It has nothing to do with the salary cap. It's just because you have too many guys who aren't even good signed. Yeah. Do you think they could pawn off any of their NHL players on anybody this year? I think there's a chance that they can dump Holden. 
Yeah. Um, his contract is not great. He gets uh, 1.65 for this year and two more. Mm-hmm. So that make that makes it a little bit difficult. Um, but they do have UFAs in Gannon, Redmond, Bodner, Chuck, uh, Winchester, Street. Those are centers, obviously. Right. Um, who are on IR. Winchester may never play again at this point. I mean, his concussion issues refuse to relent. Poor guy. Yep. But, I mean, that's just five UFAs that I don't see the Avalanche returning to. Maybe Street, if he is wants to stay an AHL guy. Right, take a two-way contract. I don't know how old Ben Street is, actually. 28. I mean, there's there's a chance he may go play in, like, Sweden or something. Who knows? Right, go make a little money. Do it while you can. But then that, yeah. that leaves Boschman, Johnson, Barry, Holden, and then Gormley. And then you're down to looking at Zadorov, Siemens, Bigra. Which, at least two of those aren't touchable. Um, which two, you know? No, I mean, like, those are the ones that are left. Right. After the UFAs expire. I honestly, unless you're going to get picks and then call up your young guys, I feel like be patient, let the season run its course, and let the UFAs expire is probably the best move. Yep, start again in the summer. I mean, that's that's what kills me about all the Jonathan Druin talk uh, we've heard all week. Uh, you know, obviously the NHL media you know, purported that he was on the block for Tampa Bay. Everybody's like, hey, let's go put him with Nathan McKinney again. Where, what did the avalanche, what flexibility do they have to even make that move? I'm not sure they have the pieces even. They don't. They've got to trade them one for one or right. give up more than one contracts to make that happen. If we can make yeah. it happen, I'm all for it. <laughs> but it's got to make sense. And not only that, you've got to get rid of probably an NHL player for his place, right? Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can stash him down the AHL and have him feel good about that. That's what he's trying to get away from. Yeah, I mean, and it might not just be that that's what he's trying to get away from. There may be more going on in that locker room than we know about. That's true. Could be kind of a Ryan O'Reilly situation where he's stuck so far down the center pecking order that, you know, he's not getting the opportunities he wants. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what's up with that whole situation, and I don't think anybody really is, so. Right. I'm not going to speculate on it. Yeah, we just got to wait and see. Right. Yeah. Either way, I, I, I don't support moving the left-hand defenseman in San Antonio right now, um, even Siemens, but I think he needs a look eventually. If some avalanche defenseman gets dealt for a fourth at the, at the trade deadline, then we I see think, Siemens with the avalanche, I think. I think you're right. Man, I, I wonder if they would, I wonder if they could do that, make themselves do that. Because I think it's the right move. But if they're I mean, anywhere close to a playoff spot, which they looks like they will be, they're going to be right there in that 8-9 area, then... I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they will. It'll be Paul Stasny all over again. You know, we should be trading him right now, but we're not going to because we're going to compete. But the difference being you're talking about a bunch of guys that don't have near the value of Paul Stasny. Correct. At that I mean, point, I- it's the right move to to take what you can get, and if not, let him go. Yep, um, that was a that was a charmed year. You know, I'm not surprised they believe they had a shot to go a lot further than they did. So you hang on to that guy. But uh, right now they haven't proven themselves to be an effective trading team at the deadline. Uh, unlike a Chicago, for instance. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how great a first for for Vermette looks right now. <laughs> well, uh, wins the Stanley Cup, I guess, right? Yeah, he didn't even play much of the Stanley Cup run. Right. It's still better than my favorite trade of the last couple of years. L.A. gets a month and a half of Andre Sequeira for at least one first-round pick. <laughs> and oh, then don't even make the playoffs. Womp, well, womp. Well, shoot, man. They just pulled off a giant blockbuster this week, too. Oh, yeah, the, uh... L.A.'s the king of the midseason trade right now. Yeah. 
we didn't even talk about Johansson for Jones. Yeah, and that's probably important too, given the fact that the Avalanche are still tied with that team for the playoff spot after this uh, debacle tonight. And uh, they made a giant move. Are you happier with uh, Jones on the Predators or with Johansson on the Predators? Obviously, Johansson makes them a much more balanced team. Um, they now have a guy who scores goals when given five feet of open space in front of them like the other night. And that's uh, a little scary. I mean, uh, they didn't have that kind of player before. They had two to three other defensemen that are just as good as Jones. So perhaps he's redundant, and uh, perhaps Johansson's a player that puts him over the top. Um, they haven't looked good yet with him. I think they've lost the two games they've played since. I think that's kind of the outlook of it in the short term. Um, right. Long term, uh, I don't know how much more growth Johansson has in him, but Seth Jones should be getting better every year. Right. Just better, 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 better. Get him out of the West. Thank you. Right. And when Shea Weber starts to decline a little bit in his 30s, uh, you know, he was going to be that player that stepped in and take those minutes. Exactly. He won't be anymore. So... That's a deal that I'm not. I don't think it's gonna like come back to haunt Nashville or anything like that. I think they'll be pretty happy with it at the end of the day. I think it helps both teams meet needs that they had. They got very even value there. I mean, they call it a good hockey trade, right? I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> kind of I mean, kind of like the good hockey goal, right? But, it's like a good hockey effort and good hockey courage. The long term, it does not make me remotely sad to see Jones go away. Nope. Um, it's to the other conference, no less. Thank you, Nashville. And then people were saying things like, oh, I bet we could have got that for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, not with the expiring contract, I don't think, but maybe. Well, I guess uh, Jones is RFA too, isn't he? After this year, I think he is. Yeah. His contract's up. It's, it, it's an RFA for RFA swap, whereas O'Reilly was an impending UFA. Correct. Um, and definitely wanted to get to the free agent market, right? Well, That's the way guess, it seemed. That's, that is the way it seemed. It didn't turn out to be that way, but they also gave him a lot of money. Also, I don't think there's any way you take the risk of that deal in division. Just Correct. in case. Um, that'd be very difficult to do for so any I'm, gentleman. It's obviously a guy you value very highly. Um, if it's if you're making a deal that makes both teams better pretty equally, you want to do it far away as possible. Correct. You know, uh, in a vacuum, I think you know both teams do that deal. You know, if you can sign O'Reilly just like uh, Buffalo did, maybe they couldn't afford it. But you know, I think that's a trade that could have happened outside the division. Yeah, probably so. Um, but. My point at the end of the day is that UFA and RFA are different letters because they're not the same thing. <laughs> Very astute. And some people in the Denver media seem to have forgotten that. Well, the same Denver media every time. Every time, without fail. All of them. Uh, Denver media was bad this week. Uh, Mark Kisla believes we have to make a trade. Have to. Um, the Avalanche need to be better with a trade this week. They need to do it. Um, they think we're contending this year, and I don't quite see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just now got into a playoff spot, and I'm not terribly confident we're going to hold on to it the entire year. I hope right. so. It's I'm taken not going to up the future. Yeah. It's taken like the hottest streak in, in the division just to get back into a wild card spot. Right. And... Uh, one, I don't think you disrupt the team chemistry. Uh, two, I, I don't see what move you can make without giving up some pretty serious assets in San Antonio. And uh, those guys are going to need to be playing on this team under cheap contracts in a year or two. Yeah. We need them. And... They're developing in San Antonio for a reason. Right. Uh, got a plan. Yep. As we continue to say, uh, nothing or in nothing or stuff, um, that's all about Brandon Gormley, of course. <laughs> right. 
I want to ask you this question I got from Earl tonight, um, because I think it's interesting. So the Avs seem to be able to hang on to the puck easily with the net empty. Um, I think he means apart from the obvious man advantage. Uh, why don't they have this mentality all the time? You know, um, that's an interesting question. And, you know, I think for the last couple of years, we've seen the Avalanche be very effective with a man advantage uh, with the goalie pulled at the end of games. And, you know, they don't always score the game-tying goal, but they always give it a pretty good effort. And I'm not sure I have a great answer for that. Uh, maybe their passes are too long at even strength. Uh, maybe they're not... Uh, Maybe it's just a confidence thing. Maybe it's kind of knowing that you do have that advantage and you should be getting better shots. I don't know. What's your intuition? My thought on this question is, what is the point of six on five? Take as many shots as possible. Right. So we um, Every opportunity. Yeah. So what we end up doing is taking better shots, getting rebounds, scrambling for the rebounds, getting covers, having face-offs working harder to keep the puck in because there's, you know, an empty net behind you. Right. I think that ha I think the mentality of you must shoot as much as possible plays into that a little bit. Yeah, which is uh, a strategy I think most of us would prefer they employ. Would not be opposed. Right. Uh, we have evidence that suggests that's a good strategy. Would it be that you can't score goals if you don't get shots? Right. Um, it does preclude you from being able to score goals if you don't shoot. I don't know. I I'm thinking about this, though. I mean, strategically, I mean, they obviously play a couple of guys down low. You've got a man advantage. Uh, I I think they work more towards the slot. I, I think they uh, get somebody in the goalie's face. I mean, just all of these positive offensive qualities that we uh, see on other teams. You know, they're employing on six and five situations and they're holding pucks in, making good blue line passes, uh, taking long shots, good shots from the point. Um, I think it all comes back to just taking more shots. They outshot, according to NHL.com, they outshot Chicago tonight. And granted, that was a lot of six on five in the third period. But that's just remarkable. It's also a Blackhawks team that got up by three goals twice and we entered garbage time. Yep. I mean, that obviously score effects. But, you know, uh, we would expect this uh, our shot totals to be very different, you know, at the end of that result most of the time. And they weren't. You know, five on five shots for only 32-28 Chicago. Yeah. But... At any rate, um, there's been a lot of good this week, and uh, I don't I don't want to spend too much of my brain power trying to make sense of Gormley getting waived to do nothing, so that we can pick up a different guy off waivers who isn't much better than Gormley, if any. Um, so we'll just I think we'll just cut it off there and think about the the three wins that we had this week that we saw. Great wins over the Kings and the and the Predators, and then a decent win over the Blues as well. A lot of people get real frustrated after losses, so. Right, uh, we're forgetting the uh, the high of the Nashville game. You know, just had won three in a row, and again, I think that was one of the best games we played all year. So, it's going to be ebbs and flows during the season. This was ebb. Definitely so. Um, shall we look at next week? Yep. The Avs play three times before you hear from us again as we continue this January of a game every other day kind of stretch. Uh, we got the Mile High Dreams Gala on Monday, so pay attention to the old .com for fun video from that one. Um, the team will be missing a very important face in those fun videos, being, you know, Jan Hayda, who kind of ran the show last year. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see what comes out of them this time around. On Tuesday, the Tampa Bay Lightning come to town. It's a 7 o'clock game on NBC Sports. That one is a national game. Uh, then on Thursday, New Jersey arrives for their own 7 o'clock game. This one's on altitude. 
And then we close the week early on Saturday. It's a 5 o'clock mountain start in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. <laughs> I think we're just fine there to give Bonnerchuk back. You know, hand-delivered. <laughs> like, hey, um, I th we thought we wanted this, and then we found <laughs> out that you actually can't have more than 50 contracts, so why don't you take, take it back? We kept the receipt and everything. Just uh, put the baby on the church step right there. <laughs> See what they do with them. Yeah, I, I like the look of this week better than I did this last week. Um, you know, if anybody listened to that show, I predicted four points, uh, two wins out of those four games, and we exceeded my expectations and got six. Right. Um, this coming week, we're playing some teams we should be beating. Uh, I like the Devils have a pretty good record in the East. I don't think they're better than the Avalanche, even with their problems. <laughs> uh, the Blue Jackets have been atrocious this year, and the Jets are going to be hungry trying to ch ch uh, chase the Avalanche, but again, that's a flawed team that I think the Avalanche can beat. So uh, I'm going to guess six points out of these four games. I, I think they could... The fourth game's on Monday. Oh, right. Well, okay. Fine, they're not playing that game. I'm only playing three. That game's not happening, ever. <laughs> okay, well... Do so you think three out of the next four? Yeah, I think three out of the next four, but two out of the next three. We're talking about next week, so. Out of those, we'll go ahead and include Monday at Winnipeg. It is at Winnipeg. Um, which one of those four do you think they're likely to drop points in? I think there could be a little hangover from the Chicago game against the Lightning. Um, but nationally televised games, the Avs tend to you know step up for, so that could go either way. Let's call it overtime loss. I'm going with five points. Okay. Five and... Five points in four games or five in three games? Let's do uh, let's do six points in the four, but five points in these next three games. Okay. It's a high bar. Yeah. See if they clear it. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. They've been playing some of their best hockey this season lately, tonight notwithstanding. And uh, hopefully we'll see them continue to do so against some Eastern teams that they should by all... Uh, by all reasonable measures, expect to score some goals against. Mm -hmm. And maybe they get scored on a little bit, but this is the Avalanche who need to score five or six <laughs> to expect a definite win. Right. Keep up that power play. It's been working, especially at home. Some early goals again. Got to score first. That's the uh, secret to winning if you're a Colorado Avalanche player. Yep. Don't look uh, forward to that Ryan O'Reilly matchup next Wednesday. Don't be caught peeking ahead. Oh, God. We're going to hear about that for weeks. Yeah, I'm going to have to write about that. Damn it. Well. Welp. That's going to happen, and there's not a lot we can do about it. Yep. Uh, that'll be the narrative for a while. Hopefully the uh, overarching narrative is the Avalanche been winning way more games than the Sabres have, and they have a better record. So uh, let's keep it going, Abs. Yep. Um, but at any rate, um, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Unless you got any parting shots? None at all. I am browbeaten after that Chicago game. So I'll look back on the schedule and uh, look at the good games and look forward to the next ones. Hopefully it'll be an interesting one against the Lightning, but not too interesting, if you know what I mean. Hopefully it's a good interesting Mm -hmm. Not not too insane. Um, you can always make sure to catch whatever happens from that one, both here and on the site, milehighhockey.com. You can follow Mile High Hockey on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey and on Twitter at milehighhockey. Uh, follow the podcast on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast or soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast. You can rate, follow, subscribe, review, download, whatever it is that you do with these silly casts of pods on iTunes as well. Um, we will see you next week. You guys have a good one. I ask Twitter for questions, and I always get a good one from Randy every time. He says, the Avs just lost a game. What camp d cap dumps are their core players worth? <laughs> <laughs> Uh <sighs>
Randy, of course Wait you are. Wait for Mark Hisla to answer that for us in his next op-ed piece. Randy, I, I just want you to know you are right again in your analysis. 